on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, weekdays from 9 to 11, right here on WKOM 1017. You never know who's going to stop by. One of the leading voices, certainly in the Southeast, on college football, John Bryce with FootballScoop.com. We have with us this morning Mike Keith, voice of the Titans. TWSAA Executive Director Bernard Childress. New York Times bestselling author, author of Three Ring Circus, which dropped yesterday. Mr. Jeff Perlman. The voice of the Blue. Raiders Chip Walters joining us. AP Tennessee Sports Editor, three-time Tennessee Sports Writer of the Year 2020 TSWA Hall of Famer. She covers the Titans, the Predators, the Grizzlies, college football, and hoops. Please make welcome Teresa Walker. High school sports is what we do, but it's not all we do. Don't forget about Top 5 Tuesday and Wild and Wacky Wednesday. Be sure and check us out from 9 to 11 a.m. on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. 1017 WKOM. Tennessee Sports Today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yao. Welcome back into the show. Five minutes past the 10 o'clock hour on Friday. A sunny, beautiful Friday. So excited to be with you here talking sports in the Southeast region, Tennessee, whatever. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about in this second hour because we got and we got to get it all in. I don't know how we're going to do it, but uh, we got a couple of guests. Doug Scopel, Nashville Sounds, will join us. Chicken Man is going to join us to talk NASCAR. Right now, we're going to start with um, the game. I actually got to go to a basketball game last night, guys. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, um, crazy that the game was played to start with. But, Apparently um, they were already here. According yeah, to tell, you. I don't know. Yeah, tell, tell. Well, that's what I was told. So I mean, I didn't just make it up. But um, tell us about your field trip. Well, so I, I get there and I'm parking right, and JP calls and he, or actually, I was I was trying to find the parking deck. JP called and he he was like, "So what's up?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm just trying to find a place to park." He's like, "Oh, you went?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. Uh, Sarah was like, I know that you are about to die. You got to get out of this house. So go enjoy it. And, and it wasn't difficult to get to, uh, now the parking deck was fun, but, uh, getting, finding that and getting there was, was a challenge, but we, we, we made it and, uh, got a chance to see Jacksonville state women and Belmont women's and men's games. And, very good games. Both both games were as highly contested as you would want to see in uh, at all. So yeah, um, I think the the women's the women's game ended up being fifty four fifty three. Is that what you said? I th- think it was yeah 54 53 had a chance jacksonville state had a chance to win the game with four seconds to go and missed an eight foot jump shot um which you know 
had 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 every opportunity. There were some. There there was a little bit of controversy on the other end of the floor when a Jacksonville State player was had had um had a Belmont player blocked out, went up for the rebound. Uh, the Belmont player jumps, and her hand was definitely in between Jacksonville State's players' hands. The ball goes out of bounds, and they called it off of Belmont, which makes sense. Physically, the ball changed directions based on the person from behind. But there were a lot of people who thought that was a uh, that was definitely a off on Jacksonville State and Belmont should have had the ball, but they didn't get it. Jacksonville had a chance to win and could not uh, couldn't find the hole on the last shot. Then in the Belmont boys men's game, that was a that was awesome. <laughs> Belmont won their 20th in a row. They're 23 and 1 on the season. And a lot of it, Jacksonville State led for all but about five minutes of this game. They didn't lead the most important part, though. They led from 1705, or I'm sorry, 1726 in the first half to about two and a half minutes to go in the, in the second half. So everything in between, Jacksonville State had had a lead uh, as sometimes as many as seven, but Grayson Murphy, former independent standout uh, with his team tied, I believe it was 54, 54 at the time, 53, 53 Murphy knocks the ball away from a Jacksonville state guard. The ball is headed out of bounds and he dives. Not only does he save it from going out of bounds, he happens to find his teammate, uh, I think it's and uh, it's Hollander is his last name. Um, happens to find his teammate. Hollander drives down the right side, goes up for a layup, gets fouled, makes the layup, gives his team a lead. They go up three, and it was all Belmont from there. Um, so Belmont only hit three three pointers in the game and still won. And so they were three of twenty six. Yeah, three of twenty six. <laughs> they, they were not very good from behind the arc. They were zero of sixteen in the first half. Uh, Casey Casey Alexander told me after the game when I did get a chance to speak with him on the phone, he said, "You know, when we're not sh- when we're not shooting well, it's um, we have to find a way to win." And tonight we were able to do that. So, yeah, uh, well done to Belmont for getting the the win when they needed to. Uh, And that's a tough loss for Jacksonville from the standpoint that when you hold a three-point shooting team to three of 26 from behind the arc and you still can't get the win, that's – and that's a a tough one not to get, I would think. Yeah, Coach Alexander said, you know, uh, and I'm not sure exactly what the – the the kid's name is because he just called him Moose. He said Moose played real well inside. Oh, really, Nick Nick Mazinski. That's it, uh, Mazinski. Yeah. I can't. I couldn't say his name. It's, it's spelled very, you know, foreignish. <laughs> um, it's very hard. It's very hard sometimes in the OVC because you get a lot of players from outside the country, and sometimes you can't. I'm just like, especially Jacksonville State. We used to have guys like you know, not Mamadou Inja, but guys with similar names and i was just like how how are we supposed to know all these kids names so moose works really well uh 
Thanks, Coach, for that nickname. Um, but yeah, big win for Belmont and tough loss for JSU. They moved to ten and uh, ten and six in the OVC. JSU does while you know undefeated Belmont and Casey Alexander says there's no pressure with the undefeated because it's exactly what we want. We want to win every game, so we're not. <laughs> how are you going to feel pressure to do exactly what if, if you're doing what you want to do? There's no pressure there. You're just doing what you said you wanted to do. Win every game. That's crazy. Um, that that's a that's an excellent Segway. philosophy. Yeah, I mean, um, Nick Mazinski, that that foreigner from Pickerington, Ohio. By the way, I didn't say he was foreign. I said the name was. <laughs> but also, Ohio, pretty foreign to some of us. Yeah, right. Um, Caleb he- Hollander is the first name of, of your guy. Um, there we go. Yeah, I'm sitting here on the Belmont website. Um, <laughs> it, was a, it, it was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, both games were really, in, you know, really intense. Uh, not there were about 150 people in the stands. It, it was just fun to watch. I enjoyed it. Um, the Curb Event Center is a fun place to, under you know, typical circumstances, which these aren't. But that, that's a nice facility that they've got over there, and. Um, it's a shame that they can't be at full capacity for a 23 and one team or whatever it is that they are now. But, um, Casey Alexander's really got it rolling over there. And, and Grayson Murray on a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, yeah. He, he had a triple double first one. And I think it was, it was the first one since Belmont had began NCAA play. Yeah. So, so. That's huge. But winning every game is the goal. <laughs> and South Carolina's women had done that 30, 31 times in a row in the SEC until last night when, let's just say, Kelly Harper let her Pat Summit come out. <laughs> At halftime, the Lady Vols were down 37 to 25. They go into the locker room, and according to reports, Kelly Harper told them they were soft, told them to put their big girl panties on and go play. Uh, Renaya Davis took that to heart. She had 20 in the second half, including 13 in the third quarter alone, as the Tennessee Lady Vols finally got that win that had been eluding them, the close win over a top-ranked team. Number two in the country, South Carolina. They win that one 75-67 at TBA. Um, I mean, is is that the signature win for Kelly Harper to this point? I don't know what else could be at this point. Uh, I mean, and again, it's early in her tenure. Uh, signature wins, I don't care about signature wins. I care about being a program that, doesn't need signature wins. And Tennessee is that program, and they are getting back to that level because right now you've got, you know, the Kentucky loss, the UConn loss, the Texas A&M loss. Those three losses, you know, really prepared, I think, this team for last night. I think they found a way that we can't let this happen again. We can't get this close 
and not pull it out. And that makes sense. Um, also, that one-point Georgia win, um, I lost, excuse me. So, you know, they're 13-5 and five after that victory. Um, and 7-3 and three in conference play. So, obviously, the, the improvement that we've talked about seeing out of that team continues to take place. And, and you know, they finally got something really tangible out of it. Yeah, uh, JP has Kelly Harper's interview from after the game on the SEC Network. So let's hear what uh, what Kelly Harper had to say after that win over South Carolina last night. We welcome in head coach Kelly Harper. Coach, congratulations on whoa, the win. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you say happy head coach? Happy, very happy <laughs> Kelly Harper, coach. Let me correct myself. Uh, you guys went into the half down double digits. What would you say to the team? What were the big adjustments coming out of the half? Um, to be honest with you, there were no adjustments. It was it was a very uh, fiery halftime. Um, <laughs> just a lot of challenging in that locker room, and they responded. They came out and responded and, and executed. We got got great stops in the third quarter, and obviously con- converted and was able to shoot a high percentage in that third quarter. All right, happy happy Harper. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know you. I, I was I was interested before the game ever started as to how the rebounding would go in this game. You were behind at the half by seven or eight, I can't remember, but you finished this game even on the boards. You know, going into this game, what did you think were, was important and how did it play out? Well, obviously we knew that the board play was um, critical. And uh, we even talked about specifically where the board play was critical. And I think one of those things that uh, we give it up in transition in the in the second quarter, I think they had eight boards, eight offensive boards in the second quarter alone. We did a much better job in the second half of boxing out, of having better position and keeping them off the boards. That was, that was uh, to me, a big difference in us getting stops in the second half. You know, Coach, I thought the rebounding, you know, getting even on rebounding was great, but you also limited South Carolina in transition. What was the game plan there? How were you able to stop such a fast team from scoring? Well, I think it starts with our live ball turnovers. We did not have as many. I don't know what our total turnovers were, but we did not give them the ball to go get layups. We did not assist them. So start with that. That's a that's a good thing. And then secondly, I thought our positioning and I thought our alertness for the most part, most of the game was good in transition. Again, that second quarter, we were we were gapped out a little bit. We, we knew we needed to stop the ball and, and, and try to collapse in on their post. Kelly, you, you were kind of trapped, stranded down in Texas before this game. Uh, how, how much concern did you have in terms of your preparations for playing a team like South Carolina? This is probably the least prep we have done for almost any team we've played. <laughs> uh, and. and Probably the team you needed to prep the most for. We won, so I don't know. What am I talking about? So, um, <laughs> you, you know, we, we, did, we did think coming in we needed to be the best us we could be, so that really helped. You didn't, didn't have to do anything too tricky. Um, we, did, we did practice and, and uh, talk a little bit schemes yesterday. It was, it was fairly light. We've not had a lot of practices lately just because the way the schedule has, has fallen for us. So I, I tell you, the, the way the game started, I thought we were low energy, and I thought, wow, oh, this, you know, trips taking it out of us and then tried got after them there at halftime and and like I said earlier they responded so really proud of proud of how we played 
Kelly Harper, thanks so much for joining us. Go get some well-deserved celebration in with your team. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, big, big win. And I am a little surprised that after that, uh, after that trip back from Texas that it wasn't, you know, more taxing on the, on the Lady Vols, but clearly they were able to get it done in the second half. So a huge win for them. Um, like you said, just continuing to build on some, some solid performances they've had here over the last little bit and, and to have something to show for it coming off of, you know, that tough loss to Kentucky a couple of weeks. Um, well, what about a week ago? I guess it was. that and then A and M, of course. Yeah, on Sunday. On Sunday, yeah. so yeah, tough, tough, uh, tough losses. Turn around with a big win. Renai Davis uh, said that she told the team before the game that this was their turning point. We'll see if it is. Uh, Lady Vols will continue play and uh, probably going to move up in the seeding in the NCAA tournament, which is always big. Got to find. Uh, Got to find your way to the NCAA tournament and try to get at least a top four seed. Uh, I think, and I, I think they will. They will be a four four seed or better at this point. Uh, Their next two games are on the road. They go Sunday to Georgia, which they lost two by one huge. at Thompson Bowling, and then they go to Missouri next Thursday. So, big game on Sunday. Big game next week as well. So, yeah. Um. Real quick before we get to the break, Preds lost 3 uh, 0. And there was a interesting call in the second period where a goal was scored that uh, the linesman appeared to have blocked Juicy Soros uh, from seeing the puck. But that's, you know, they allowed the goal to stand. So it is what it is. Wouldn't have mattered anyway because Preds didn't score at all, which is not unusual. So. Anyway, that's it. That's all I'm going to say about the Preds. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to talk about the Nashville Sounds as uh, Doug Scopel joins us to talk about their schedule uh, on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Stick around. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. teams you care about it's southern middle tennessee sports today once again with mo here's chris 
Welcome back in to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. 26 minutes past the 10 o'clock hour, and we are winding down this Friday edition of the show. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. It's going to be a great ending to the show because we have a couple of great guests who are going to join us to close out this week, starting with the Vice President of Baseball Operations for the Nashville Sounds. We have Doug Scopel joining us on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. Doug, thanks for coming in. Yeah, great to be here, and good morning. Good morning, Doug. Appreciate you again. Um, minor League Baseball <laughs> doesn't look like <laughs> it's looked at any time before, uh, and um, obviously you and your position as Vice President of Ops are right in the midst of that. I mean, how, how crazy is this right now, just, just from what you've been used to over your tenure with the Sounds? Yeah, well, it's a great question, Maurice. And, uh, you know, the exciting part for us is there's a light at the end of the tunnel, right? We've, uh, by the time we get to our, our scheduled opening day this year, which is April 6th uh, at First Horizon Park, it will be 504, 581 days since we had last host the baseball game. So, you know, in any business world, that's, that's a long down period. And for us, especially with all we've gone through here in Nashville between tornadoes and you know all the covid stuff and and you know being safe for the players it's you're right right on the money it's um it's been a rough road uh, major league baseball has come in and and uh, taken over control of the minor leagues which i think is going to be a great thing in the long term and and we could probably talk through some of the, the immediate um changes that we'll see with the way our schedule lays out and league structure things like that but at the end of the day we really look forward to getting back to what we do best and, and having fans in the ballpark and having that fun environment for people to come enjoy on those summer nights. Doug, we have temporarily lost internet connection with, uh, with our guys. So while, uh, we're still on Facebook, we appreciate you joining us. JP here, by the way. Um, yep. so the, uh, uh, while we get them back, I want to, uh, get more about, you know, major league baseball taking over, and, and some of the initial changes that you've seen up front, I mean, obviously some long-term effects, but what have you seen up front as the major positives for uh, this taking place? Yeah, so the, the couple of things that happened is, is they went, you know, I think COVID factored into a little bit of this, but obviously just wanting to be a, a better structural functioning system from all the way from the major leagues down to even like Little League. Baseball has a, an idea of how they want to structure and integrate everybody. And so the changes for us really are, the, the sounds of the last ninety-eight been in the Pacific, Pacific Coast League, where we play a lot of teams on the West Coast that aren't close to us. The so travel was tough on the players. Uh, there weren't regional rivalries. I mean, we played Memphis, but other than that, we were playing teams in California and Arizona and, and Nevada, which those are all fun teams to play. But we have now been moved into what they're calling the AAA East League, which is similar to the old International League, but basically the East Coast version of AAA baseball. And we're going to get to play teams uh in louisville and gwinnett and charlotte and um, indianapolis they're within a drive of nashville and more importantly to us it's it's rivalries with teams that are are fan bases uh, that nashville already have the reds affiliate the braves affiliate um you know teams that are more regionally located i think that's going to be a much bigger draw 
to see some of those teams come through our ballpark. And, and on the flip side, for our guys, we're able to take bus trips to, to places that are three, four, five hours away rather than, you know, take a cross-country flight that takes six, seven hours once you connect somewhere. So I, there's benefits on both sides, and, and I think it's going to be a great start uh, as we get into this. Doug, you kind of stole our thunder, and we're speaking with Nashville Sounds Vice President of Operations, Doug Scopel, here on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. But, um, Doug, you mentioned Gwinnett, and, you know, that was the first thing that Chris mentioned when this AAA East alignment came up, and you you know my Braves fandom. But um, Oh, yeah. The Stripers come in here for six games, May 18th through the 23rd. Um, and again in August. They come here again in August. Yeah, the twenty fourth. Yeah, we're here twice in late August. Yep. Okay, so um, so we get twelve opportunities here to see those Braves farmhands. I've I've not gotten that far into the schedule, but you know, what are your thoughts about these sixteen series? Well, that's a great question. I think on the series, you know, this is. 2021 is going to be kind of, we hope, is an anomaly in terms of how the schedule lays out. We hope that by the end of baseball season and, and certainly by the start of, of the 2022 baseball season, that, that there, you know, the COVID has died down, vaccinations are much more prevalent, and we can get back to business as usual um, playing the shorter series. But for this year, baseball did the right thing, the smart thing. It, it makes it much easier for the players to travel and stay kind of within a bubble when they're only traveling basically once a week instead of two or a couple times a week if you have three or four game series. And for the, for the operational side, it, it's also the same. We're not having to fly them or bus them every three days. It's, you just do it once a week. So it, it minimizes the cost a little bit. So it helps on both sides for this year. Um, you know, I've talked to some guys in baseball. We've talked to our coaching staff. And normally they don't love the long series. But for this year, they certainly understand it and everybody, you know, is, is going to make it work. Doug, I'm curious with the new sit, the, the new Get about it from that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I didn't hear you. Mo. No, go I was ahead. just saying I was, no, I was just saying I wasn't really thinking about it from that standpoint um, of the, you know, the pandemic impact on the schedule, but that, that makes a whole lot of sense, as you said. So um, it's, it's amazing that we are as far into this thing as, as we are, and that's still impacting everything. But it yeah, and, is. And to, to that point, Maurice, some of the things that we are going to have to do, and you'll see some language come out as we unveil more on our tickets and, and individual games and things like that are uh, quote-unquote buffer zones for the players. So baseball is, is they're still working through it because, you know, a lot of things can change between now and April, and it seems like a short distance. But in the world of a pandemic, you know, who knows what advances or changes, the stuff changes daily, let alone in two months. So uh, we are going to have to have, you know, distancing from the playing field, from the dugouts, from the, the bullpen, um, to make sure that that provides a, a safe zone because the players are going to be within a, as good of a bubble as they can provide. They'll be tested on a regular basis, um, you know, there will be restrictions within our building of who can access player areas and, and the tiered structure, no different than, than what's happened with the other professional sports that have, have launched here uh, over the last year. So, again, things we, we will have to do for one year, we'll, we'll make the best of it and then get back, hopefully, to, to business as usual in 2022. Speaking 
with Doug Scopel on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. I, my, my question was the with the new layout in the Southeast, Midwest, and Northeast AAA East League, it is what are they playing for? I know that they are. I know there are some some games against other Midwest teams, uh, such as Indianapolis. Uh, I think um, maybe Toledo and, and and such. But what are what is the 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 end game here? Are they playing for the AAA East League, or how, how does that work? I you know they haven't really told us that honestly. I think honestly, <laughs> what we're playing for is. To, to have as safe of a season as possible and get the players, you know, to get the games in, let us let us do our entertainment in our venues. I don't believe that there will be a playoffs in this particular season. Again, just to to minimize risk uh, and all that sort of thing. You know, certainly probably playing for our division title. Uh, you know, everybody, you know, once at the AAA level, most teams should at least, want to instill a winning attitude and winning mindset for their guys. So that when they get to the big leagues, they're already in that mode. So I think that's enough. And, and the majority of our schedule this year, the way it's set up again, to try to minimize the amount of travel needed uh, is against our division. You mentioned we do play, I think Toledo, we play Louisville, who's not in our division and Indianapolis, but the majority of our games are going to be against the other six teams in that Southeast division. Interesting. You know, Doug, um, you're back with the Milwaukee Brewers, um, a, a parent club with which the Sounds had had a pretty lengthy relationship prior to um, the opening of First Horizon Park. Um, how do you feel like that plays with area fans, you guys getting back with the Brewers? Yeah, you know, it's it's been there's been a lot of excitement from our local fan base here in middle Tennessee since that announcement was made. And to your point, Maurice, I think we spent 10 years with the Brewers from 2005 to 2014. A lot of great teams in there. We had, you know, think about those, those Brewers playoff teams of the last decade or so, the Prince Fielder and Ryan Braun and Gallardo and Ricky Weeks and all those guys came through Nashville. And, and when you have that amount of kind of big leaguers that, that go through, you know, fans attached to that and have those memories, not that they didn't have memories with, the affiliates of the A's and the Rangers that we've had since then, but a 10 year period, you know, makes a lot of, a lot more memories. And, uh, and so to, to the point is it's, there's been an exciting reaction as, as that's been announced. I think that um, we look forward to it. You know, our coaching staff for the most part, Rick Sweet will be our manager. He was with us the final year of the Brewers affiliate. So there's a lot of uh, continuity, not only with our staff and the Brewers staff, but we, we are, we already have a familiarity, not only on that, the player coaches um, administrative staff side, but again, the fans and the players there, there's, there's some commonality there. Yeah. I think that's uh that's going to be a, you know, something to go forward here. Is it, is it a 10 year deal, Doug? It is. Yeah. And, and the way as part of major league structure is every affiliate, the affiliations previously could be as short as two years or, uh, two or four years were the lengths, and some teams were together for 30 years, and some teams were together for two years. Now, across the board, all 120 minor league teams starting this year have 10-year agreements with baseball to be with their affiliates. I just think that that builds a, like you said, a familiarity with a, a, an organization through your fans. I mean, minor league baseball, the turnover is so high 
But when you're with an organization for years and years, there are some names that tend to stick around, if not on the field, in the dugouts or that sort of thing. I think that's important. Yeah, it's very important. And you're right. The, the roster turns over, but it's, it's, it's the relationships and the, their, their commitment to, you know, when they send their players to Nashville, they're not just sending them here to play baseball. The Brewers are, are great at getting involved in the community um, and, and building relationships other than just what happens between the lines on the field. And, and we look forward to continuing uh, what was already, a, like we all have said here, a success in our past. Doug, when, when you when you look back at last year and all of the things that everybody had to go through, what what's the one takeaway from not having a minor league season last year that you will look forward to this year? Well, I think in our circumstance, um, you know, we once we realized that we weren't going to have a true minor league season, we 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 joke in the office that we had a business. We had about twenty five different business models we looked at of trying to do maybe our own independent team that we could host at the ballpark or bring in concerts or some other different things. And, and through that process, kept us active and the wheels turning from a you know planning and marketing and working with the health department and having conversations with all the people that that we're needing to gear up and talk through right now to get ready for April. So, you know, we just didn't sit there and kind of have nothing to do. We, we kept going. Ultimately, we weren't able to, to make something work last year because of the restrictions of, you know, what we could, couldn't do with the health department and whatnot. But it's, you know, I feel like our group never, never slowed down, never kind of turned the switch off. We've, we've been going and we're ramped up and we're, we're ready to go so that when folks come out, we're going to, we'll be able to wow them with, with what we do at the ballpark. Doug, restrictions notwithstanding, how close were you guys to pulling off that independent taxi league, you know, yeah, for or a yeah, that, type situation? Yeah, we very very close, Maurice. We had had meaningful conversations with with. We basically had rosters for two teams lined up. Um, we had you know players committed. Um, we had conversations with Major League Baseball about what we were doing. Um, obviously, with the city of Nashville, all the all the stakeholders were, were aware of what we were going to do. Honestly, the, it came down to the testing that would have to be done for the players, and that is not a cheap option. And um, for us to be effective, for our players to, to be able to be useful to Major League Baseball, we would have had to have some element of that. And that's where, mm-hmm. you know, the, the few fans we would have been able to be allowed to have by the health department you know, that, that additional large expense just didn't make it worth the while for us to, to kind of pull the trigger on that one. That's unfortunate because I was looking forward to that. And I think, you know, particularly last summer when there was so relatively little going on, I think that would have been a nice diversion for a lot of folks. But certainly uh, I understandable. Agree. And, and, um, again, yeah, Doug Scopel, kept- Vice President. Go ahead. No, no finish up. I'm sorry, Marcy. No, 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 you're, you're good. Yep. I, I want to hear whatever you were thinking right there. Yeah, what I was going to say is, you know, I mentioned we talked to players last year, and, and we were, you know, we're, we like to be good stewards of baseball. We had our doors open to players to come and work out. We had, during last summer, when players were trying to just stay fresh, guys that weren't in alternate sites, I mean, there were probably days where we had 20 pro players out there throwing to each other and taking batting practice and doing pitchers throwing simulated games and, and players from all different organizations just kind of working together to keep going. And we, our groundskeeper loved it because he, 
he got to keep the field going and kept his skills on keeping a mound up. So um, while the public didn't get to see that, we, we felt like we provided a useful uh, purpose for those players that wanted to just stay on their game. Yeah, and that's a, that, that's as big of a challenge as anything is keeping people on top of their game. We know we know a lot of people were in Middle Tennessee last year trying to, uh, whether they were in Williamson County or, or Davidson County, somewhere they were hitting and throwing and pitching and catching. A lot of folks here in Middle Tennessee were 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 handling handling the situation as best as possible, and you guys were a, a big part of that, I'm sure. So. We appreciate your time, Doug. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. It's a, uh, again, the Nashville Sounds, they will kick off, uh, well, first pitch will be, um, are you guys open at home, right? We open at home, April 6th. Yeah, and Norfolk, who is the Baltimore Orioles affiliate, which is, as I mentioned earlier, a team that their affiliate probably hasn't played in Nashville in I'd say close to 20, more than 20 years, I would guess. So it's, we get to welcome new in, but, but we're just excited about, again, being able to welcome people back, do it safely and get back to giving folks some fun entertainment options as we roll into the spring and summer. Well, we are certainly looking forward to it. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today and giving us your insight into the Nashville sounds organization. I am wearing my Nashville sounds cap on the air this morning. So, Awesome. We appreciate that. And thank you guys for having me. Uh, You know, anytime you want to have me back, I'd love to hop on here and talk about baseball or whatever else is going on in in the sports world. We'll definitely take you up on that. That's Doug Scopel on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline this morning. Um, When we come back, we're going to talk NASCAR. We're going to grab the chicken man and let him brag a little bit, but also tell us about this road course down in Daytona. Going to be a lot of fun. We'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today. Stay tuned. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Tennessee Sports Today, the sports talk show you've always wanted. We're going to get into this Friday edition as we wind down on the final segment of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. 13 minutes to the top of the 11 o'clock hour. Uh, Mo, real quick, before we get into NASCAR, I want to stick on um, minor league baseball for just one moment and get your thoughts as the Columbia Fireflies of Columbia, South Carolina, the low A affiliate of the Kansas City Rules, have announced their coaching staff and that may not sound like it means anything at all to you does it well i guess it depends on who the coaching staff is manager brooks conrad (laughs) raw dog and extra coach glenn hubbard (laughs) 
Nice. Okay. So go, go fireflies. That's all I'm okay. here to say. You know, when you mentioned the fireflies, I thought you were going to mention Tim Tebow, who announced his retirement from professional baseball here over the last couple of days. Notice I've said professional baseball. Yeah. Not major league baseball. So, <laughs> um, goodbye, <laughs> Tim Tebow. We hardly knew you. Oh, but well, we did get some good video out of it. So, yeah. Anyway, moving along. Um, just FYI, Dylan Brooks, who we spoke with, spoke about earlier this week, uh, has been released from everything at Tennessee and is free to play anywhere he chooses. Mm. Okay, that's coming from Austin Price, so I assume that's pretty accurate. Um, man. Wild day, wild day. We are going to welcome in now resident NASCAR expert and host of the WKOM, WKRM Front Porch Radio NASCAR pre-race show. Terry, the Chicken Man Wilcox is on the Parks Motor Sales hotline. Chicken Man, welcome in. Hey, guys. Uh Enjoy been enjoying the show so far, watching it on Facebook. Uh, and, uh, of course, now is apparently the best segment of the show coming up. Well, of course. <laughs> of course. We saved the best for last, Terry. Well, well that, that's because Mo's on. That's all the only reason I'm saying that. It's not often you get to talk to a Hall of Famer. Uh, you get to talk to him every week now. Aren't you excited? That's true. <laughs> that, that's uh, true. Not every week so you get anyway, to gloat. Yeah. Glow? Why? Why? I I missed what happened last week. Did I miss something? <laughs> this guy. Oh, oh, you mean Bubba Wallace not finishing in the top fifteen? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that's um, brutal. And, and it's brutal, especially considering a third of the field was eliminated within the first fourteen laps. Yeah, it, it it was tough. It was tough watching him uh, come out of that pit stop and have to go back in, knowing that there was no chance yep. uh, whatsoever. Um, yeah, I was I was doing a happy dance here, just so you know. Yeah, because you're getting free wings out of this deal. Hold on now. I, I, I am, I am, and uh, it, sooner or later we'll get together and get that set up. But uh, oh, it'll, it'll be sooner. It'll yeah, be sooner. Horrible week, okay. I'm I'm ready. You, I tell you, you can't beat a good JJ's wing. I tell you, them things are awesome. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. So tell us what's uh what's what's going on this week. Give us the give us the rundown, the schedule, the sure. when when we uh, hear you on on WKOM. Absolutely, and I'll be on the air probably about noon uh, Sunday for the pre-race show, uh, which will precede uh, NASCAR's pre-race show, which I believe comes on at twelve uh, thirty. Um, we will broadcast that on 101.7, of course. Uh, but before that, uh, tonight, uh, we will actually have the truck race. We'll start broadcasting it at 6 o'clock on 101.7. And then tomorrow, the Xfinity race will come on roughly 3.30 with their pre-race. And again, we'll have that uh, on on uh, 101.7 as well. Uh, all three series are down in Daytona on the road course. Uh, which, if you watch the Bush Clash last week, you got to see him run that. It's a uh, 3.61 mile, 14 uh, turn layout, uh, and it, they're going to be going 70 laps for the uh, Cup Series cars. The uh, 
I'm sure, let me check real quick. In the camping world, uh, series does 44 laps, and Xfinity uh, actually only does 52. So, But that's coming up uh, this weekend. Uh, and after that, they will, of course, go to Homestead, and then they go out west to, I think, Las Vegas and Phoenix. But uh, uh, And their starting lineup is based off of the way they finished, along with a few other things that they put into a formula. And uh, due to all that, Chase Elliott will actually start on the pole uh, this Sunday alongside Michael McDowell. Now, uh, your driver, Bubba Wallace, will start uh, 10th. So he'll be in the top 15 at least, probably at least for the first five, six laps or to the first caution. But uh, yeah, you got it's some, hard to pass on these road courses. It, it is, but it's real easy to get turned, put in the grass, and next thing you know, you're running 30th. Uh, that's what happened to Kevin Harvick uh, uh, in the Bush class. He got turned a couple times, put in the grass, and before you can get back on the track, the field has passed you by. So, but uh, it, it, it is hard. Pit stops play a key, uh, and you know, and what you do on those pit stops, whether you take two tires, four tires, no tires, all that comes into play. Obviously, Chase Elliott is the hands-down favorite. I think he's won the last five or six consecutive road courses. But uh, I'll give you a prediction right now. I'm going to go out on a limb. Uh, this gentleman's starting fifth. I'm going to I'm going to say Kevin Harvick is going to break uh, Chase Elliott's win streak. Uh, I hope Chase wins, but I just got a feeling Kevin Harvick is uh, desperate for a win. Interesting. So what is it about what is it about road courses that 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 are so difficult for maybe? NASCAR typical um, stock car drivers. Well, the big thing is you got to turn right, which you don't, <laughs> don't normally do, obviously. Uh, and you have to. It's a matter of a braking, uh, some case downshifting up. You, you know, you got to you got to be kind of used to running that, a lot of short tracks where you have maybe those type of situations. Anymore today, so many tracks are big. You get out there, like you go to, to a Daytona or a, a Talladega. Once you get on the track up to speed, you don't you you go one speed. You very rarely even touch your brakes. Uh, but brakes right. are are key. If if you're a real bad breaker, uh, you're going to wind up using your brakes up. And you, we we we'll see that uh, this weekend in all three series. You'll see guys lose their brakes because they're just not used to doing it as much, and they 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 abuse them. Uh, when it's at night, you see the, the glow of the rotors as they heat up. So that's something to look for. But uh, some guys just have a knack. Uh, Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin. Uh, you know, back we had Tony Stewart when he was running. Uh, some guys just have a knack, even Jeff Gordon, to be able to run consistently. Uh, but you, like I said, you got to be able to shift. you got to be able to brake. Uh, you got to be able to turn right and left. And you got to have a great, great, Crew chief to make the right call. And uh, there's some other guys that are starting a little further back. Uh, you got Kyle Bush in 14th and Martin Truex in 19th. Now, Martin Truex, if you'll go to the betting lines, is the he's picked second uh, as far as chances to win behind Chase Elliott. But uh, that's that didn't take into consideration his starting spot. Now, if he's able to work his way up to the front, uh, he's another one to look at because, uh, boy, I know he snookered 
Kevin Harvick a couple times in the last couple of years on pit stops and uh, stole wins from them. So, but uh, you know, probably most likely it'll be the same guys. I would doubt if you're going to see a, a Michael McDowell like we saw last week. And kudos to that team. I mean, he's been running for what 20 years or so. First ever win, and uh, like our our buddy Sterling, he got it at the 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 best race of the whole season. So kudos to Michael McDowell. Uh, I may stop out at Love's Truck Stop and fill me up uh, a tank full of gas this coming week. <laughs> Chicken Man, um, obviously I'm not a big, big NASCAR guy. Just haven't had a whole lot of exposure to it. But I would think in well, we'll a road race, it's it's tougher to come from the back up. I mean, you're who, yes. where you've got a better chance of yeah, finishing you, there in a road race. Is that fair to say? Yeah, you pretty much uh, you you need to run up in the top probably ten to fifteen most of the race, uh, and even then, if, I mean, somebody turns somebody and there's nowhere to go. Like you know, as Chris will tell you, that track gets blocked pretty quick, and cars run into each other left and right. They run off the course. Uh, some of the tracks, like the Watkins Glen or something, they got these runoffs. If you wind up in there, you, you're not getting out without a, without a wrecker because it's a, like a gravel sand pit. And uh, your car won't, you can't drive in it. It's worse than driving on ice on West 7th Street, to tell you the truth. (laughs) It's like those runaway truck ramps on 24 heading toward uh, Chattanooga. That's what it is. (laughs) You're exactly right. That's exactly what it is. And and it's a safety reason, obviously, uh, because those cars, I mean, if they pick up speed when they hit that grass, man, they're going to plow into those, usually a tire barrier. Uh, head on, that could be dangerous. So it's a it's a good innovation NASCAR has, and uh, it definitely uh, would definitely have saved more than a few people from some serious injuries. So, but look for a good race and t- tune in to one hundred one point seven uh, starting at noon. I'll be on for thirty minutes or so, followed by NASCAR's pre race on MRN, and then uh, we'll have you the race. I think right about one o'clock. So. All right. That sounds good, man. You heard it here. Kevin Harvey's going to finish first. That's what the Chicken Man says. Chicken Man, thanks so much for hanging out with us here on this Friday. We'll talk to you next week, and we'll eat some wings well, next week sometime, too. Well, 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 now, one thing real quick for Mo. Mo wants to hear this. Why did the chicken go to the seance? No idea. No clue. To get to the other side. Come on. Hello, here we go. We'll see you guys next Monday on 9 o'clock on 1017 and Facebook Live. Thanks for hanging out on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today.